Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey everybody, before we get into this episode of Jacob Marley is Dead, we wanted to pause to give you a trigger warning because this episode is going to deal with issues of sexual assault. If that's an area of trauma for you, we totally understand if you want to give this episode a skip, and if it's not, please enjoy. Jacob Marley is Dead This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. Fourth of July weekend, how how did it treat you, buddy? How were you doing this weekend? Fourth of July weekend. Fourth of July weekend's a complicated one for me this year. Um I'm taking this this summer intensive with um, whose name I might actually bleep out here, but um, it's kind of focused on like uh, the intersection of Shakespeare and the founding of America. So we're looking at kind of like the colonialist themes in like the Tempest and the th- issues of race in Merchant of Venice and and kind of talking about how can we teach modern issues through Shakespeare because it's often a thing that teachers have a hard time with but one of the things that we looked at was like the Declaration of Independence and we're going to be reading the like a narrative by a a slave from Monticello so I'm in like a really complicated frame of mind when it comes to the 4th of July right now interesting I just kind of sat around the house doing nothing because I felt (laughs) lazy so don't make way to make me judge myself John (laughs) Like you're you're like really like trying to do the hard work on how to fix this country through like Shakespeare and such, and I'm here just watching YouTube videos and playing with my <laughs> He-Man action figures. So I feel like that's what makes our dynamic so so rich. Uh, oh, <laughs> gosh, well you know, I I will say I used my time this weekend to distract myself. Uh, from a lot of things, you know, we all need those safe space moments when we can just kind of get away from the things that um, make us, you know, have, you know, dark thoughts and, you know, make us sad. Like this episode of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Welcome to Jacob Marley is Dead. Uh, this is a podcast that is a safe space uh, for everything except a Christmas Carol. Oh boy! Um, I am your host, John. I am his bewildered sidekick, Jimmy. And this this one might break me, friends. This one, this is <laughs> this is going to be a tough one. Move and, over, and so, Scrooge. And, and Step aside, Garish Patel. <laughs> this is maybe going to be the most difficult episode I think we've ever had, and I am. 
and for a lot of reasons, and I'm not looking forward to doing it, but we we signed up for a job, John. I, I'm a man of my word. So let's put on our waders and let's get in the muck here because yeah. we got some muck to tread through. Yes, we certainly do. We certainly do. Well, we are continuing our conversation on the uh, 2019 um, FX in association with the BBC miniseries of A Christmas Carol starring Guy Pierce as Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, this is episode two titled The Human Heart. And I, I don't think we need to bury the lead, James. Why don't we just get right into it? Oh, God help us. Let's do it. This is Jacob Marley is Dead, and we are talking about A Christmas Carol Part 2, The Human Heart. was in those ships, all three, on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. And one was in those ships, all three, on Christmas Day in the morning. So... As you may recall from last time, Jacob Marley, uh, with some accompanying theatrics, went to uh, Ebenezer Scrooge and uh, basically gave him the usual, you'll be haunted by three spirits warning, dropped a couple of F-bombs in there because this is the modern gritty retelling of A Christmas Carol. It's extreme! It's extreme! And this episode finds him uh, stumbling back through the pine forest of Christmas's past to meet with uh, the Andy Circus ghost of Christmas past and tell him uh, that Scrooge didn't buy any of it and they're not going to have any luck doing this. He's feeling very defeated in this moment. Yeah, he's like, I did all I could, but I know it's not enough. This guy's not going to turn. And then the ghost of Christmas past kind of starts to change a little bit and kind of get a little like, I don't want to say arrogant, but definitely like, I'm going to break this guy. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm uh, like, uh, this guy, oh, you think he's tough? Oh, just wait, just wait. Like, yeah, the whole vibe with this ghost and throughout this episode is going to be like, He's, I mean, it's Andy Circus at his most Andy Circus. I don't think you get much more Andy Circus than this performance. If he was, um, an, if he was a CGI ape, maybe, maybe <laughs> might make this movie just, actually watchable. Just, just a little um, bit more hair, just a little yeah. bit more hair. <laughs> but, but he's like, I'll haunt him with the mistakes of his past, and I'll hold his feet to the fire of remembrance, and I'll waterboard him with sad stuff and he will break and it's it's not i would say a traditional tone for a christmas carol certainly no and i don't like it because i don't i again i just for some frame of reference john has seen this he's seen the whole thing and this is kind of part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is to discuss this i have not seen this so when i got andy circus coming at it with like this you know this air and like this arrogance type of vibe like i'm gonna break him i don't think he's gonna be able to break him i got a bad vibe here like it's scrooge ain't gonna go quietly to that good night so andy don't be talking so much smack i want a happy ending but i don't know how we're gonna get one (laughs) yeah and so i want to bring this up here because it's going to become very important for our conversation later but this i think that this movie does not know what tone it wants to have. 
I think it has a it has a ballpark idea, but it vacillates really quickly between like the grittiest grim dark version of this possible and like an introspective kind of really deep psychological look. And I think that sometimes those two things undermine each other a little bit. Right. Or at you least the one certainly undermines the other. It doesn't support the other and it doesn't in, in fact it makes you question the other and it makes it much more difficult yeah. to stay satisfied while viewing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not a comfortable experience. Yeah, because it sort of like hands you like a gift of a really well written, well acted scene with one hand, and then you reach out to take it and it like knees you in the crotch with some overblown gritty nonsense in the next possible second. It's the latter seasons of Game of Thrones. Well, I, am I wrong? I mean, no. And I think it's I think it's actually a really um, I think it's a really apt comparison because we're talking about a guy, um, Stephen Knight, who who wrote this and kind of created it, who is coming off of like a run of really successful things like Peaky Blinders, right? Eastern Promises. So I feel like he's kind of got a blank check to do this like really arty project with some really big names behind it. I I really doubt anyone's looking at what he's writing and coming up with and saying, uh, maybe not. Maybe that's too much. Yeah, this the, now now that I've thought of it like that, uh, this is completely like the last four seasons of Game of Thrones. This is oh boy, let's go, let's get through it. Yeah, so he, yeah, so like Jimmy said, he kind of changes like his his wreath turns into a top hat, and his little you know uh, I forget what he has, but it turns into a cane, right? And and he's sort of traipsing off through the trees, singing Molly Malone, which is like a, an old like Irish folk song. Yeah, I I don't need to hear it again and yeah. it's it's creepy song as he walks through the burning trees and the yeah. darkness into the abyss and it's, Yeah, and it's weird here but it will be like a thing later. It, like once a, we find out what it is, it makes sense. But. It's establishing itself here but it is it's eerie all the same. Yeah. And I don't, here's the thing, right? I don't mind that so much. I think if that was really consistent, I also think if if more was made of the other spirits and less of this one specific spirit, or if the other spirits just didn't show up and this was the only spirit, right? Right. Well, I don't know if there are going to be other spirits or not, but I will say that this spirit is definitely getting most of the screen time, obviously, but as we're about to turn in a few seconds, um, there is a clever gimmick where if it was the only spirit, it could stay the only spirit because of yeah. what it's going to do. Yeah. Um, so we, we cut then to Mrs. Cratchit who is lying awake in bed. Um, and if, if the first episode didn't give you an indication, Mrs. Cratchit's going to be a more important character in this Christmas Carol than Bob Cratchit. Which is an interesting maneuver. I will say, you know, we'll talk about why that is and our feelings about why that is later. I do think it is interesting to get the perspective of a female figure in this story because, you know, the only women in the original novella are characters who exist only to like validate or to come against Scrooge's character. They're not there to really experience anything themselves. No, they're, they're all just there to be, like you said, counterpoints and also, you know, lost treasure and such like that. Very, yeah. 
patriarchal type of setups. Yeah. And we can talk about whether this is any better. I would argue in a lot of ways that what's going to happen is not, but uh, oh. <laughs> uh, our poor audience. Um, so Bob, she's, she's awake. It's Christmas Eve and Bob's asking her, you know, what's wrong. Yeah. And, and she kind of is like brushing him off. She's just like, I'm excited for Christmas in the least excited possible sounding voice. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of is pestering her again about this money. We know that from the last episode, um, Tiny Tim at some point needed an operation and a quote unquote wealthy relative sent her money, which she seems incredibly cagey about. And Bob is suspicious about. Yeah, Um, Bob's noticed like in the last episode, there's inconsistencies about this character. The last name has changed several times. So Bob's putting together that there is something else going on here. And uh, finally, he's trying to figure it out. And um it's a it's a it's a it's a rough scene because you already yep. know that it's something that Mrs. Cratchit does not want to share. Yeah, definitely. All. And she's basically like, "Don't ask me about this on Christmas," which no, no, I mean, that's never a good thing, right? Yeah the the news you're going to tell me is could ruin the holiday. That's uh, that's that's got to be a bombshell. So um, I'm going to try to get through the day without bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and basically, he asks, like, all right, well, tell me after the holiday. No, he doesn't ask. He tells. Oh, he tells. Yeah. Th- yeah. That's that's I was I was keen to notice that that was like he went he used his right, you know, you know, 1800s, you know, the the, the man of the house BS. He was like, you're going to tell me after Christmas. And that's yeah. I don't like that vibe either. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting, a, I'm getting a bad vibe from Bobby C here because I got to I got to because either he's going to want some revenge one way or the other or it's just going to be a bad look on him. And I I'm not I'm not happy with either result. I seeing a lot of dead ends here, John, a lot of dead ends here where the milk of humanity will run dry. Yeah. Yeah, it's there's a lot of of writing these characters into corners that can only be unpleasant, which may be intentional, but um, we'll get to that. So the Christmas bells are ringing uh, during the Cratchit conversation, which is actually a really nice transition because it kind of like we, we get a shot of London and the bells are ringing and then we cut to Scrooge and we know that bells ringing on Christmas Eve usually means something's going to show up for Scrooge. Right. Um, so he gets up and he's kind of like looking around cause he's been waiting for something to show up and his windows all fly open, which is a very cool looking effect. And then he's like, come spirit, change me, try, which is an incredibly dumb line. And there's a lot of like Scrooge narrating his inner monologue in this, which I think comes off really heavy handed comes off George Lucas, like a little bit. A little bit. I don't think it helps. So Guy Pierce is Australian, and I think he's better at doing American accents than he is at doing like London British accents because he always sounds a little weird. And some of it may be like trying to do the accent and also trying to play this really unpleasant character. I don't know. You could have made it. You know, you could have had his father be an, an Australian immigrant. And then like, sure. Like, I mean, you could have gotten there. Scrooge yeah. McDuck. You know, I'm just yeah. saying like. Would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, 
and then he hears this like tiny little bell ringing and he sees uh, a little white mouse on his windowsill with a little bell around its neck. All right, here's the deal. All right, we gotta have to put something nice for the kitties in this. Okay, I know we're trying to go all like the DC here with all the spooky spooky and with all the monster and madness. So we're gonna have to add in a little thing there to sell some Happy Meal toys. So we're gonna have to add them. Uh, all right, we can't get two mice this time. What, we got too much CGI there? I thought we were working with Andy Circus tree over here. Okay, all right, whatever. Uh, give him give him one mouse. One mouse in foggy London down. There we go. Yeah. How so on like a scale of one to ten, how how hard were you expecting him to be like, it's Gabriel? <laughs> they've had to have seen it. They've they've had they had to have seen the two thousand and one version. They had to have. It's yeah. too on the nose. Yeah. It's it's such a commentary on bad adaptations of a Christmas carol. That's what the whole stupid monologue, because he sees this mouse, which was a present from his sister, with a little bell around its neck. And uh, he when was, he was a little boy, right? When so he was a little boy. From his childhood. This, is, this is a returned present from his childhood, the beginning of his past visions. It's the first thing. And he l- looks at this mouse and gives this stupid monologue. That just goes on and on, and we get it about how this little trinket's going to be the thing that turns me, and I will be better for it, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he's doing, like, a meta-commentary, and there's a lot of stuff that happens here that feels as though Ebenezer Scrooge has read A Christmas Carol and, is and like, kind of knows what to expect a little bit. He likes the smell of his own farts, and it's he just that's all he is doing when he makes these stupid monologues. Fart, yeah. But he's kind of commenting on he thinks that this this mouse is the first spirit, and so he's saying like, oh, okay, so the fir- it's going to be this mouse, and I'm going to see it, and it's going to remind me of a gift from my childhood, and all of my wounds will be healed, and and I'll be happy again. And then he yeets the mouse out the window into the snow. Yeah, and. It almost seemed like, in a weird sense, that the mouse was like an act of mercy. It was like, if he did turn on just the mouse, like if the mouse had been all it was needed, maybe he wouldn't have to go through all the other memories he's about to go through. Maybe he would have been saved this episode of this miniseries, right? But as it goes, he chucks that mouse out the window, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Just straight up chucks a mouse out a window. And then as he does so, we hear somebody at the stairs. Yeah. So uh, we hear the the tapping of the cane and Molly Malone being sung. And of course, we're expecting, oh, this is the spirit showing up for real. But Scrooge is acting as though he knows who this is. And he is definitely unhappy to hear this person coming. Yeah. Because we have... A Scrooge's dad alert. Scrooge's dad alert. Scrooge's dad alert. Waka, and it's, waka, and it's, waka, it's waka. a red alert. This is this is not an orange alert. This is not a yellow alert. Uh, this is bad news coming in here. This is the most vile character we have ever seen in any, any adaptation of A Christmas Carol. And I am including the devil in that from like the Albert Finney one when we saw him just in the background there. Like... This character is pure evil. Well, and that's and that's saying a lot in this particular version of A Christmas oh, Carol, oh, yeah. which probably has the top five worst characters would, we've would, ever seen. I would say that as well, yes. But you have in this character, 
they're all a huge root of Scrooge's evil. Not all of it, but a yeah. huge root. Um, such, such indifference, you know? Yeah. But also gleefulness in like pain and like making others feel small to make them feel big and just this whole range of horribleness that this character just is constantly pouring out of them and poisoning everyone around them. And this, I remember in the 2001 Christmas Carol, when we had a, I think that was where our first Scrooge dad's scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty dark. And you had kind of mentioned that you wanted to talk about this here. Yeah. That was pretty dark in that situation where he was already like, uh, apprenticing out Scrooge to pay back for his tutelage in that version. That's dark. That's bad. That ain't nothing to the black abyss that is this version of Scrooge's dad. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So this guy comes in and he's got basically like the same energy that Polly has for all of Rocky one. Just that like basically like operational level drunk, really, really angry. And then you add to it like, uh, you know, you take away the heart from Polly. Yeah. Polly yeah. still has a heart in there. And there are moments where Polly will definitely be, you know, cruel for cruel's sake to make himself feel strong or make himself feel better. But he'll also try to, you know, make up or like do good things in the moment. This Scrooge is not this. Sorry. This father does not do any of that. This father yeah, has no. no heart. No. So Scrooge is hiding from him. He's like in his bed. He hides in his bed. Um, and he's acting like a child. I mean, he's he's like completely regresses in this moment back to his childhood state. And the father is so I really like the way that this this particular sequence is written, because the way that they speak to each other, it kind of goes back and forth between like what we are to take as an actual interaction that happened between a very young Scrooge and his father on a Christmas Eve, you know, some 40 years ago. And also the two of them like processing that because this is the spirit coming at him in another form, the form of his father. Yeah. And and he's almost like puppeted a little bit in this. Like yeah. He's the words are flowing through him and they're definitely, like you said, have the cadence of like a, a Scrooge as a child, but he's, He's along for the ride, but also bearing witness to it. Like he, so he can't control it, but like he's totally experiencing it as if he was. Yeah, and yeah. that's 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 gotta be a a difficult thing to do as an adult. Yeah, and we're also led to understand that this is something that he experiences in his own mind on a regular basis. That he that he dwells in this traumatic experience, and this is where I think. There's there's this moment where this miniseries could have been amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's in it's in a moment like this where it's like, let's talk about the way in which real trauma impacts a person on a on a lifetime scale and then delve into like what the reality of healing through that is, because I think that is a thing that that exists within A Christmas Carol. Right. And is very important in the modern day when uprooting our childhood trauma is something that's like very um very part of our conversation and then it goes off the rails later and we'll talk about that well i think just not to get too ahead but i think the problem is it's trying to say so much about different things that can never find time to focus on one topic on one hand we're making commentary about you know the industrial revolution and uh 
progress in that age, which what actually was happening to the person on the ground level. And then we also have the, the insidious side of organizations meant to benefit children that clearly don't, you know, like, so like, there are so many different things that this movie is trying to say and communicate and it's you can't focus on one of them. So it doesn't yeah. really execute any of them perfectly. And it feels uh, to me, it feels like Knight is not quite a savvy enough writer to thread the needle. Like, I think you could do it. I don't think he manages it here. Anything's possible. I mean, that's the thing. Any any movie could be the best movie when it begins. It's just how everything unfolds. On, yeah. And the uh, thing is really I- I also think that he may be a little bit handcuffed by the fact that he's still trying to do a Christmas Carol and it can't just be like some other Victorian ghost story. Right. So it's like, it's like this trying to have his cake and eat it too and stand on one foot. Like it's a really weird operation that he's trying to pull off that right. I think just gets away from him. It's like, he's really trying. He is a, a, doing an adaptation of a book, but it's like when somebody really tries to, like you're saying, completely come up with their own vibe for it. But, you have to sell it as what it is, which is a yeah. Christmas carol. Yeah. So Scrooge's dad, what we what we learn is that Scrooge's dad was bankrupted. Um, it seems like he was swindled or or um, maybe uh, had like a business deal that kind of turned against him or something. The financial crisis of the uh, early 1800s i mean there are there are a couple different ones if i'm not mistaken but yeah. it, it's it always seems to be in the background a little bit in some of yeah. these adaptations yeah. so yeah and he and basically i mean what he's what he's turning around and telling young scrooge is you know no relationship is free like don't emotionally invest in anyone who's not going to like pay you back in some way no unprofitable um affections um I mean, there's a phrase in here where he's literally like, don't feed something if it's not going to feed you down the road, which which feels a little bit like, you know, don't keep pets, which is what this is going to become. But also reads to me like a tiny little bit like that thing where in really bad times in the past, people had to like eat their own children and stuff, which he's going to do. Yeah, in 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 one respect. Yeah. and, And basically what we find out is that, you know. Scrooge's sister, Lottie, not fan in this one because they can never just make it fan. She's Lottie in this version. Of course. course. Gave him this pet mouse with like a fake gold bell on it. And the father comes home reeling drunk, um, ranting and raving about how everyone in the world is a taker, how uh, Christmas is just like one more like debt that he has to pay. And saying that oh, this mouse with this little fake gold bell is richer than he is because it's got this three penny bell around his neck. And then um, he cuts the mouse's head off and we get to watch at least the shadow of that, which feels like you probably could have just said it. Like, I don't know if we needed that. I get that we want this to be like visceral and real or whatever, but that's the moment where this like was really good. And then I'm like, I don't need to see the mouse get its head sliced off. It's, it's too much. Look, if you're going to, they, they weren't kidding when the first thing we see in this is somebody peeing on Jacob Marley's grave and going through the ground and hitting him in the face. Yeah. This, this, this production is very upfront about what it is. It is a super dark, hardcore, like we're going to nitty gritty this so much and you're going to be sad and turned on and scared at the same time. <laughs> 
and you're not going to know what you're experiencing, but you're going to experience it. And then maybe you'll like it and you'll, or you'll probably hate it. And that's what's going on here. And it's, ah, like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, this is bad. This yeah. is, just, this is, you could have, you could have cut away. You could have, you didn't need to show a full, full on silhouette of this event happening. Yeah. I, and look, I'm into, I, I like horror movies. I like scary movies. And I do like respect the fact that they're trying to make Christmas carols a little scary. Yeah. But nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. It, 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 it's a lack of restraint that makes any moment in this that might have some weight to it feel like gratuitous feel feel exploitative and and i think that's the thing that frustrates me with some moments like this because this is genuinely i think my favorite scene in the episode but it is it is so undermined by how over the top and grim dark and and not grounded it is right right and how it just kind of beats you over the head with it to the point of where you become numb um so the ghost becomes the uh, the Andy Circus, which is like his kind of base form, we're gonna see as we go on that this ghost is a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. So we kind of take, which is a cool idea, right? Because we know that the the original idea of the Ghost of Christmas Past is that it had sort of an ephemeral, hard to pin down form. So I like the idea of pulling that to a different conclusion, being like, oh well, what if it just takes on whatever form in the moment to sort of fit whatever thematically is going on? It's an interesting idea. I, I think I think it could be really cool in a, in a stage production. I think it would yeah. be a very interesting choice if you wanted to kind of to adapt that aspect of it, where it's just they were becoming different parts of your childhood as you're going through it because you're limited by stage and what you got there. So yeah. it could work. Yeah. Um, and basically this ghost is a, it like remarks on the fact that Scrooge seems really uninterested in his own fate. Scrooge basically intimates that like every night he counts himself to sleep because he's hoping that one night he can just stop counting and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. That which which reads I think knowing what we know about what's going to happen in the future like a, a Scrooge being entirely nihilistic and just waiting for death seems yeah, that's kind on of the, par. That that's about that sounds accurate to me. It's terrifying. It's depressing as all hell. But yeah, makes yeah. sense. Um, and then the spirit does this really cool thing where it takes off his ta- its top hat and turns it into a little like zoetrope yeah. and spins it around. And as it's spinning, he's talking about how he's gonna like take Scrooge to the past and show him his deeds and show him you know all of the things um, and make him you know change his mind about his his feelings towards life um in the midst of all this we do see the face so what's cool is he's spinning this hat and it's flashing all these lights and we're seeing projections of like different moments in the past but we conspicuously see the face of mrs cratchit and scrooge sees her face so we know at some point these characters interacted in a way that is meaningful and we've already been getting some hints along the way like what um that interaction could be so we're we're moving towards the the path of having to talk about that as we go on. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, but what's cool is so at first these things all are just looking like light projections on his wall, and then like there'll be like a kid throwing a snowball, and then another kid throwing a snowball, and then suddenly he's in the middle of the woods in the snow, and there's a snowball fight going on, and he's like ducking out of the way and trying to convince himself that he's had some like 
bad sherry or like his maid drugged him or something like he's still trying to reason away what is happening yeah it's 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 not a bad little beat like it's actually kind of funny in its own way but it's because this Scrooge's whole thing is like reason versus fancy. Like right, everything right. has to have rationality and be measured and right. stuff. It, it, it makes sense. It's just we've already heard this argument before. We've already seen, gotten a sense of it. It's just repeating a beat that we've gotten traditionally earlier on. Yeah, it does feel a little bit rote. Um, uh, there's <laughs> He's naming all the kids. So there's that thing where Scrooge like sees the school kids that he went to school with and he's like shouting all their names. And of course, this this is this is a like a grim, dark, modern um, historical drama. So he really has to mention how poor Horace died of consumption. That's like a really like we need to know that people died of consumption, man. People because it was dark and gritty in London in the Victorian era. And I'm not saying it's not, but this is a really bad habit that I think period dramas have right now of like trying so hard not to paint uh paint with a what's the phrase trying so hard not to look at the past with rose tinted glasses that they're kind of looking at it with like cholera and poop smeared glasses right like if somebody understood like there wasn't like you know like proper bathroom etiquette what is kind of a recent development within the last like 150 years so like so everything must have been extremely dirty and like and also it it, it it's a choice to make with period pieces. And I think sometimes it works really well. I think the problem is John, like you're saying when it's always like, gotta give a dark comment here, but I don't think Scrooge would think of that necessarily. I don't think Scrooge would, you know, the spirit could bring that up. Sure. I think that's actually not a bad take of that. Let the spirit like be like, whatever happened to him, he died of cholera, you know, like that's, that's, that's a beat that that, you can do that beat. And then Scrooge realizes that he has to keep in touch with his friends or he lost touch with his friends. And what does that mean for his life moving forward? Yeah. Something. We've already- <laughs> Something. <laughs> yeah. We've already invoked Game of Thrones. Um, and I think I think it's worth mentioning here. So as much as Game of Thrones ushered in, I feel like the sort of it kind of came in on the tail end of like the walking dead and breaking bad and ushered in like the golden age of television or whatever, these like high budget 10 episode season drama shows. But it also brought with it just this insatiable need for everything to be gritty and grimdark, especially when it comes to historical settings or fantasy settings. Um, Right. There's Harry. Everything has to be dark and gritty nowadays. Everything has to be dark and gritty. And I was talking, which feels like a meme because we've been saying that since like the Dark Knight came out in two thousand eight. But it's still true. Here's the question I asked the the kids at the school. We were talking about Marvel Cinematic Universe because a lot of the kids have seen the MCU movies. Maybe not all of them, but they've seen this or that. They're watching Loki right now for frame of reference. And then I was like, "Yeah, what's the last Batman movie you've seen? What's the last Batman movie a kid could go see at the movie theater?" What's the last Superman movie a kid could go see at a movie theater? You can't tell me. Batman and Robin? Maybe the okay, Batman the Lego movie. I'll give you that one. Sure. But not a, not like come on, man. This is it's getting silly here with all this dark and gritty crap. I can't stand yeah. it. Though I did like Shazam. I did like Shazam. Well, it's a movie a kid could go see in a the theater. Um, speaking of of childhood fantasies, so the spirit turns into Alibaba. 
which I think is a really, really cool touch in this moment. I think it's a really great choice to have it represent this hero from Scrooge's youth when he had no one to be a hero for him. I think it, I think it's a great choice. I actually want to see it done somewhere else. I think it's yeah. something I'd like to see tempted again. Um, but I, I don't know if we will. But I, I'm I'm happy with it here. This is this yeah. works for me really a lot. Yeah, and the actor changes, so it's not like Andy Serkis suddenly as Alibaba. There's different actors for these different forms that the spirit takes. I, I especially like this this guy who plays Alibaba. I think he does a really awesome job. Um, he makes Scrooge ride a camel to the school, <laughs> um, and and of course the school is named like. Blackbridge Academy, and when Scrooge looks at it, the sky okay. gets a little bit darker, and and it's like, okay, did you think it was going to be Arkham for a moment there? Like I thought it was Arkham <laughs> Asylum. Like it kind of has that vibe, and everything we see from Scrooge's childhood is just like overshadowed with this like heavy dread, like dread of his father, dread of going back to the school for reasons that we will find out. Um, well, these aren't the pleasant memories, and. Just to swing it back to dream argument for a second here, which is not in play at all. This is 100% happening the way they're yeah. picking it. But the, your your moments of triumph are, you know, sometimes bigger in your memory, right? And yeah. your failures and your dark memories are huge. They're poetic. They're operatic in scale. And so maybe there was a uh, boys' school that was on a hill like that with a clearing, but maybe it didn't have all the doom and gloom around it that he he remembers it as and sure yeah and, it's like heightened by this fantasy and and with what we're about to see who could blame scrooge for that yeah so as they kind of they ride these camels towards the school and um, we find out that Scrooge's dad always had some excuse for him to not come home. There was like a, a water pipe that leaked. There was they moved and the new house was too small. There was some other reason. So every, for the whole time that he was at this school, there was always some reason why he couldn't come home for the for the Christmas holiday. Um, and while we're approaching the school Ebenezer is like, I have sworn never to go back there. Uh, he's, we, we saw fear with the father scene. Yeah. We're, this is a different level even still. Like, this yeah. is pretty bad. And it sets the audience up for knowing, like, okay, this is going to be some bad stuff that we're getting into. And as we approach the castle, the, this hill, we totally start just – I could feel it coming. Like I could feel the darkness build up in this moment, and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I knew it was coming. And I, I – John? It telegraphs it pretty hard. I almost predicted this last episode. I almost predicted it. I didn't want to because I didn't want it to happen because I didn't want what's about to happen to happen in a freaking version on a show where I had to comment on because this freaking guy – Oh boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Let's go. Um, Let's go. Yeah. I, I just want to point out here, right? I, I ragged on Guy Pierce a little bit earlier in the episode, but his performance in this is genuinely captivating a lot of the time because he really can go from being like a despicable and completely unlikable character to very sympathetic at like the drop of a hat. And it, and it's the only thing that keeps a lot of this afloat. Well, he, what's the word of the episodes? Human. He's, yeah. he's human. He's yeah. he's flawed, and we'll see that as we go on. That yeah. nobody is one thing that has happened to them or they have done. So, 
So there's a incredibly cool transition here on like the threshold of the castle where where the Alibaba character asks him, like, do you remember what the magic password is to get into like the secret lair? Right. Open Sesame from the Alibaba story. And when he says open Sesame, he and the wall turn into an illustration and we pull out and realize that it's an illustration that's in the Alibaba book that young Scrooge is now reading and they're in the room. It's very good. I mean, we don't often get like really artful transitions in these Christmas Carol things. Cause they're kind of like cranked out on a, on the cheap, but right. I mean, look, there's I just a, enjoyed it a lot. There's a new Christmas Carol every Christmas, you know, and like you're saying, they're being cranked out because there's, they, there's a profit to be made. So let's yeah. make it as cheap as we can, you know, bare minimum to get through it, to make a buck off of it and put whatever old senior citizen star we've got as Scrooge and make a buck off their name. Yeah. You know, Kelsey Grammer is Ebenezer Scrooge. Like, oh, he 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 is. He I has. know. I have I've never seen it, but like, <laughs> like really, we needed that version. I guess we did. Slideshow Bob is Scrooge coming yeah. this Christmas. Yeah. Like, so we're in there, and it's beautiful. I mean, again, it, I know we're kind of hating on the grim and gritty of it, I think, but the production design on this is amazing. It's really really it's, good. It, I don't know if this won any Emmys or anything like that, but it deserved to because it's it's one of the best looking things I've seen on television in a long time. And there's a yeah. lot of good looking stuff on TV. Yeah. Um so there's this there's this really cool sequence where they're they're looking at young Scrooge and he's in this kind of like long narrow dormitory reading by himself in the dark and um, the spirit moves up to him and calls his name. And for like a second, young Scrooge can see the spirit as Alibaba there and sees this kind of like fantasy Middle Eastern um, landscape stretching out behind him. And it does this thing that I love in time travel where it's like a recursive like like a character remembers a thing from their childhood, but then it turns out that the thing they remember from their childhood was like them going back in time and interacting. And it's like this... Uh, I don't know. It, it like playing with the the function of the way time works. Um, it, it was. It's t- it's because again, if this was a really good idea of like, is this a dream? Is it reality? It could be Scrooge is making it reality, right? Sure. Like yeah. Scrooge is like remembering that key part of his childhood, that memory where he thought he could see Alibaba, right? But now it's making it all one and the same. But it's not. It's that he says. Children can see spirits sometimes when they really, really need them. Yeah. And Scrooge. Which I kind of like just as a, it's a moment of like real mercy for this poor kid who just has had a terrible life up until this point. And, and so, yeah. And, and it's not, it's going to, we're going to, it's going to get darker before it gets lighter here, Fred. So buckle up. So here's the thing, right? Parental neglect is a very real and serious trauma that does lasting damage to a person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could have had it be Scrooge was left there neglected, and one year his sister finally came and got him. And you can sell that to me as a very traumatic event that told this kid, I am not valued and I don't matter, right? The only thing that matters is money, so I'm going to spend my life valuing money. And then because this show... And this writer cannot help themselves. They cannot help themselves. They have to push this envelope to where it goes. It turns out that the schoolmaster comes in and and apparently, as he has done in previous years, 
during this Christmas period where no one else is at the school, Scrooge is going to be molested by this um, by this schoolmaster. All right. And it's been arranged by as we will find out in a second here. This is not just happening while he's away and the father does not want him to come back for the holidays. No, the father has been coming up with excuses to keep Scrooge at the school so that this can happen to pay for Scrooge's being at the school. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, which is which young Scrooge, I guess, finds out in this moment because the headmaster says something about it when the next thing that we're going to see happens. So this is the this is like rolling a really crappy snowball down a hill that is going to eventually turn into I think the thing that makes this a bad miniseries overall that makes this a bad version of a Christmas Carol yeah. down the road yeah. because they start this idea here and and unfortunately with a Christmas Carol if you plant something in Scrooge's past it has to snowball into something worse in the future right and. I we'll talk we'll talk more about I guess like the contemporary atmosphere of when this was coming out when we get to the thing that's happening sort of at the end of this episode and into the next episode but I think that they fell victim to trying to like comment on a thing that was happening right now with this story and ultimately undermining the whole thing so um, what happens on this particular Christmas? Sorry, Jim. Do you have something? I don't want to cut you off. No, I just I just want to say this, and then we'll move on from it. This this is why I wanted to put a warning at the uh, at the front of this episode. This type of yeah. stuff it triggers me. I don't I don't like it in my media. I don't think I think it's I think writers use it sometimes as a crutch and a very bad trope and a horrible thing. I, I mean. So I, I I I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, that's not to say that there might be there might be something here to be said about trying to say. I mean, because again, as we're going through this moment right now in history uh, that we are living through here, where certain things are coming to light, and we're starting to look at old institutions, and really, there's a whole lot going on. Maybe just for a second, maybe there was something there to be said. But the way they go about it, I don't think this it works. It doesn't work in yeah. the way they do it here, and I don't. And where they're going in particularly by the end of this episode really makes this a fail. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. It is an example of something we're going to see come up again and again in this, which is they get to a point in the in the creative process on this on this miniseries, and a scene has to happen, and it feels like everyone in the writers' room sat down and was like, "Okay, what's the worst possible thing we can think of to happen in this moment?" And we'll go with that, right? There's then that's what I'm talking about with that lack of restraint, and it does, like you said, we've already seen his father like come in, terrifying, slice the head off a mouse. Right. We know he already has that like deep, intense, violent childhood trauma. Right. And now we're just going to be like, and it turns out here's another trauma. And I, that is not to say that people are people who go through one trauma are immune to other traumas. In fact, I think like the inverse of that is probably true in real life, that people who experience one trauma are probably more likely to be traumatized by other experiences or to be victimized in other ways. Mm-hmm. But it does feel to me like a little bit like, um, it, it 
it feels like tragedy wanking a little bit here. It feels a little bit like someone on this creative team is like, oh, yeah. And then what if his dad's a like, real crazy and cuts the head off a mouse? And then the, a guy across the table from him snorts a line of coke and is like, yeah. And what if his teacher's like a pedophile? Right. It's like it's that it's it's that lack of any forethought about whether or not this will support the story or whether the story can support all these ideas. And really doesn't take into consideration, or if it does, poorly takes into consideration the audience in this. And yeah. it's like, and they're going to have to deal with the type of attitude I feel like sometimes for these people. Like they're going to, yeah. we're going to put that thing there, and they're going to, you know, they're going to deal with it. And it's like, no, you you can have very sensitive subject matter in your art, but you have to present it in a way and and craft it in a way that is at least something that I can, I process and deal with when you just kind of make it as grotesque as this is. I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty sickening. Um, I don't know, man. I just, this is, this is where I, this is where it officially lost me. Yeah. And, and I, and I know that there's going to be some good stuff moving forward, but I was like, nah, I can't do it. I was, I was hanging on until this moment as even as I was watching it today, knowing everything that's going to happen between now and the end of the series. And this moment I was like, Oh, this really, this really sucks, but I can get through it. It was the thing that happens right after this, where I was like, this is really incredibly dumb and, and makes no sense because his sister shows up in the middle of the night. I mean, it's the middle of the night on Christmas Eve. And, uh, and she shows up fortuitously, like right before this guy's about to take Scrooge back to his room. Mm. And she comes in and she's like, what, 15, 16 years old, maybe? If that. Uh, and is like bossing around and owning yeah, the space. She's got kind of, yeah, she's got like a real like, y- like Yas Queen attitude of like coming in to tell this creepy guy what's up and i i mean i guess we're we can infer right that the family knew what was happening with scrooge like that the family had to know at least something about this arrangement that the father had made or that they had found it they clearly have found out about it you know and like have been trying to get away from scrooges and that's the thing that she says here lolly correct that's yeah uh, lolly yeah She's like we're we're rid of father now. He's no longer a part of the scene. Like he's completely yeah. out of it. It sounds like he took off. Like he left them or, or ran off. Right, and it's not like before. Or like, based on what happens in two seconds, maybe they killed him. But that's I, a, that's a different story. I, I'm, I'm leaning. To, I'm leaning towards that possibility. I mean, this yeah. world. But like normally, it's that there's been a change of heart, or like yeah. he's you know seen the air of his ways, or something like that, and it's. It's nothing here, but we also get the hint that Scrooge's mother is alive. A lot of yeah. times, Scrooge's mother has has um, has died in childbirth or something like that. Yeah, and usually it's with Fan because she's usually right. younger. In this right. case, we have an older sister, which I think, you know, I I, I actually kind of prefer when she's older because I think it makes it like it makes their relationship a little bit less infantilizing. But um, yeah, yeah so she see. comes in and she's like, "I'm here to take my brother," and this guy is like weirdly resistant to that which to me i'm like this is a school like i get that it's a school in like gritty grim dark victorian london but like he's not in prison right and i get that you're also like molesting him so maybe you don't want the secret to get out or maybe he just doesn't want to miss out on he's yeah he's he's resistant to the degree in this moment that feels like the writers wanting to make this scene dramatic and not like the writers wanting to make the scene realistic and then of course it gets worse because like 
she tells Scrooge to go and then she tries to go and then he grabs her to try to pull her back which makes zero sense again if you're a dude who wants to try to keep this under wraps and then she pulls a gun on him and I feel like I'm watching like like quickie mart brand kill bill it's so weird it's so stupid so that's their gun on the wall john we have a gun on the wall we have guns in our christmas carol now yeah so that means in the third episode somebody's getting shot (laughs) well and here and here's the thing right so this is all couched by the spirit as like this was a gift that she gave you she rolled rolled in here strapped to get you out of here shoved a gun in this guy's face and it's the it's so weird it's so weird that like that's the direction after this scene that is very bad it's a very it's a very bad and dumb scene Mm. and then they're going to try to make it like a philosophical conversation about like the nature of giving gifts on christmas what (laughs) like what are they talking about i i i i all I can imagine was someone digging a, a themselves into a hole, right? But digging so hard that they actually formed the infinity symbol inside of a tunnel that just keeps digging around itself and back and forth and back and <laughs> forth. And that there's no way out of them just digging an infinity tunnel of shame. It was so bad. And it was, it was like, you are trying so hard, movie. So hard. To make Scrooge the dumbest, worst Scrooge ever. You're trying so hard here, and none of this is believable. None of this in, like, he's like, well, you see, I because of that, I, uh, I am what I am in the past. I can't change anything now, so la di da di dee But it's again, like, it's, it, it, it again feels like a Scrooge who has read A Christmas Carol and kind of knows the beats ahead of time, right? When he says that, because he does, Guy Pierce points back and he's like, well, see, I, I was molested for several years. That excuses all the bad things I've done. Ugh. And it's and it's silly and dumb, and it's treating its audience like a moron. Right. Yes. That like and we talked about that last time. It's treating its audience like an idiot that can't like put two 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 and two together and figure out how Scrooge being molested for several years might make him a bad person in the future. You know what I mean? Or I, I shouldn't say it that way. Mm-hmm. Scrooge getting molested for a few years might impact the way that he views and tolerates humanity in the future. Right. I mean Right. It has to directly tell us through the through the clunky dumb script. And then on top of that, we get the sense that every that this is just the beginning of the crap that we're gonna see in Scrooge's past, yeah. And that this was actually being saved by his sister is one of the brighter moments of this past, yeah. Because everything from here on out is pretty much just horrible. So, yeah, so I think the the spirit tries to position it because he's like, I didn't show you this to torture you. I showed you this to give you hope, like to show you that there is like a hope that people are that there is goodness in the world or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is your hope spot. This is you. This is your hope spot. This Christmas with this guy again, this horrible, traumatic experience. That's what you're going to get to relive. This be hopeful and happy and Merry Christmas and goodwill towards men. Well, and we also and this but this this will also get into the other thing where like the ghost's motives are different from scene to scene. 
I think. I think that the the spirit, we are, it is never clear if the spirit is trying to browbeat him or make him change or show him the goodness of humanity or like it's, or Scrooge is so much of a challenge that it's actually difficult for him to bend Scrooge. Like he's like, he's really trying with Scrooge because that's totally a valid reading because nothing, like you said, is consistent here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we, (laughs) the spirit literally says, we need to go deeper. Uh, Scroogeception. And Scrooge literally like falls into the floor, which is kind of, you know, dude. It's, uh, it is what it is. Um, and what we end up with, so we're kind of past the point of the bad things that happened to Scrooge. Now it's going to be the bad stuff that Scrooge has done in a progressively worse series of events. Or I guess not really progressively worse because they show you something really awful up front, which we've already seen, right? So it kind of blew its load with this, with the thing with Marley where they showed the factory fire, right? Well, they had to have a big explosion at the end of the first episode. That's the problem with these episodic type of deals where they have to, it's like someone's reading an action screenplay where they need to have like a beat every so often yeah. to make the audience not change the channel. Type right. Of deal. And, and yeah, and I think there's like some weird, there's some weirdness here in the way that these sequences are laid out because what we start with is they are in a coal mine. They're in an anthracite coal mine in Wales owned by the Scrooge and Marley corporation. Mm-hmm. The spirit has turned into a Welsh miner. Um, like and we do. see like horses underground Scrooge comments. He gets a little save the cat moment where he's like, I tried not to think about the horses when we made this deal. Like Scrooge likes animals again, which is like somehow a through line in a Christmas carol. Well, going back to the first episode, the, the, the human beast, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's the, we're, we're, we're animals too, but like he has respect for actual animals. Like he has like this weird connection where like, they're honest. I feel like is how he sees them, and like sure. they, they don't. They're not going to lie. They just they are what they are. Whereas humans are deceptive and sadly humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. So what we come to find out here is that Scrooge and Marley cheaped out on the timbers used to support the mine. They didn't want to pay for the expensive heavy duty oak timbers, right? Which the mine had used up until the point that they bought it. Yep. Um, and this causes a cave in of like, obviously it's the, it's the most obvious choice in the history of the universe to have this coal mine cave in because Scrooge is being a cheap ass. And it's 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 very obvious and it's it's very claustrophobic it's mm-hmm. it's 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 depressing as all hell i mean and and this is a place where i think that is the right call yeah. you know this is this is the plight of the worker in these mines and showing that and putting that on display 100% all in where I think it kind of fails is not that it goes on too long, but it kind of key just keeps repeating and not not adding, you yeah. know, like yeah. it just like the same thing over and over again, over again until then we're not in it anymore. And like I said, it's not giving us any new information. Right. We know that Scrooge and Marley cheaped out mm-hmm. and caused deaths in, in like another place. So this is a thing that happened to them multiple times where some kind of major industrial accident, like it maimed and killed people, right? which seems like it seems like it, it happening twice is too much. And maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't, but it feels like if something like that happens once, 
right? I mean, I guess I'm thinking about it in a modern context. If something like that happened once and killed a bunch of people, like that company would literally never live that down. I don't know, John. I think it's all about the time period and how people are, are acceptable of certain things during certain times in history. Yeah. Right now you have these people like who, let's say, take KB Toys, for example, John. KB Toys is bought by a certain company that owns a lot of different properties. They took a lot of debt out for KB Toys. KB Toys can never pay it. They cash out. They get their profit off of that. And KB Toys is liquidated and total industry is gone, right? A yeah. toy store industry is just gone all those workers that is an acceptable evil version of the same principle of profit over humanity yeah well and it's that's something we're going to see scrooge and marley literally do a couple scenes from now um oh yeah and my thing is if we didn't if we hadn't already had that that explosion scene in the first episode or even like you could have gotten rid of that scene from the first episode where he sees the factory explosion and have Marley like show him like a little flash of this cave in, but he doesn't want to look at it. Right. Because this, I will say, I don't want to spoil things for the next episode, but this mind collapse is going to continue to come up. We've already seen like the kid who pissed on Marley's grave was one of the kids that was in this mind collapse. We see him later with the cut. I was going to say, I, I, I noticed, I know I clocked that kid while the uh, mind was collapsing. I was like, ah, oh, that, that's, that's piss grave kid. That's piss grave yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be used as like a central thing to talk about kind of the state of Scrooge's spirit. Right. No, and, yeah. and, and the, and the idea of humanity in general, which I think is one of the better things this thing does, but like it cheap, it's been watered down a little bit because we've, already seen scrooge and marley cause an industrial disaster somewhere else is that is that kid gonna shoot scrooge and kill him is that what's gonna is that what so i feel like you should save that for the predictions part of the show i'm sorry but i just was hit with inspirado (laughs) i was like oh they're doing the we'll save it we're gonna come back to that part friends because damn it telegraphing the whole damn thing um so I did not uh, watch the other episodes, I swear. <laughs> so um the mind collapses, it's really tragic, and uh Mar or Scrooge asks the spirit if they're in hell because it's like dark and hot and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the spirit there's a really cool effect where the spirit strikes a match and we see Andy Circus's face for a second, and then the match like flickers, and it's the face of some like random business dude that he has now turned into. Yeah, and this was the guy that I was like, I don't know this actor, but I've seen this actor in something because yeah. they are owning every second of this posh Tory, you know, voice, you know? Like yeah, they are just really all good. in. Yeah, so he's telling him we're in your thirtieth year and business is good. Um, and was it is it that Scrooge is thirty or is it the thirtieth year of Scrooge and Marley's business? No, it's the thirtieth year of his life. I think. Yeah, he's he's risen quickly. You know, he's driven by profit, and we've already gone past the um, the mining accident. So like explosion. So like that's happened. The collapse there. So I think we're also meant to believe that that is like a thing that happens later than the scene that we're about to see. Time seems to kind of skip around. Oh, no, just... Cause I don't, cause I don't think when he was making this deal with the guy, when he's when he basically so basically what happens is Scrooge and Marley we don't really see how they get into business together but their business is finding like weaknesses 
in people's personal lives and then using them to sort of strong arm people into selling their businesses at a at a loss so that they can then flip them, liquidate them and turn them into profit. And that's basically how they make their first kind of big parcel of money. And then they go into investing from there. KB toys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Basically. Um, so yeah, it's a real practice. It's a real scumbag thing to do. Um, it does nothing but make rich people richer. So screw this practice and all those that approve of it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is pretty scumbaggy here. Uh, the way they own the space, the way they're rude, the way they're two face in the scene. Marley's trying to be more of a good cop here. Scrooge is clearly the bad cop, which, all right, given these two Marley and Scrooge, that's how you're going to cast it, obviously. And yeah. it, I mean, I feel like Marley sort of implied it earlier where he's like, you think I'm bad? Well, like we know that Scrooge is worse than Marley. That seems to always be the the thing that we're, we're to take away from their relationship. Right. Like his chain is doubly long. Like that's yeah. like he's... Mar- Mar- Marley's like like Nightwing to Scrooge's Batman. Ooh, ooh. I don't know who's getting insulted there, but somebody is. <laughs> I think it was Marley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, Nobody cares about Nightwing. <laughs> so what? Yeah. So basically, this guy, they, this guy owns like a textile mill, right? Or his father owned it, and now he owns it because his father died, and his father had all these gambling debts, and he's got these people that are going to be coming after him. So Scrooge and Marley come in and basically are like, "Okay, you're going to sell it to us at like a fraction of what it's worth." And we come to find out they flip it for a huge profit by selling the whole thing off. And then this is my other uh, a scene that I really liked in this where they're going. So Scrooge and the Spirit are going through the textile mill and all the people are gone. But the mill is still running like all of the looms are still weaving fabric. But what they're actually weaving is big sheets of five pound notes. Mm-hmm. And each mill we we are told is supposed to represent one year of um scrooge and marley's business together or like of of his business and the spirit talks to him about how he can remember every transaction he remembers every expenditure and every profit um for every year so he'll ask him like oh eighth year what do you remember and scrooge can rattle off like the exact figures like what they spent what they made what they invested in during that time um He's got a photographic memory and yeah. and we've already established in the last episode that he has skill with numbers and remembering them and taking note of them. So it's a natural build to this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it does seem to be like we talked about sort of his way to control his his space and environment and thoughts. Right. It's it's almost compulsive the way that he kind of remembers things. Um, the other piece of this that the spirit talks about, which I think is interesting, is that is This Scrooge's business model is to turn people's personal flaws, their human flaws into profit. So he is all about finding ways to take the ways in which people are flawed and turn a profit on it. It makes him a little bit more malicious than other Scrooges that we've seen. Hmm. Um, Yeah, this is this is pretty bad here. This is not completely unlike the tactics used by. um, Oh, gosh. Um, when we have quoted in the episode all the time, uh, Alistair Sim, Alistair Sim, yeah, Alistair Sim, yeah. and their scene, their scene in Christmas Past when they're buying Fezziwig out and stuff like that, like, uh, yeah, this 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 does remind me a lot of like the Mister Jorkin, yeah, s- sequence where they buy that company out. You, you think I'm bad? Watch out for these fellows, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hee hee, hoo, hoo. <laughs> 
need a little levity in this episode, John, because this is True. some this is some murky. Yeah, it doesn't get better from here. No, it's all sad. <laughs> it's all doom and gloom, and I'll be in my room. Like it's all very like just. It's like I'm watching like Rick and Morty past season two. Like it's like all just oh, sad, man. depressing, and emo as f. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna go watch Tim Burton movies and cheer up. So yeah, so they they have this conversation here where Scrooge is like, "What is wrong with making a profit and then using that profit to make more profit?" And the spirit says nothing, and Scrooge is like, I, "This I led a good life. Like I made the most of my life." Uh, uh, mm. Yeah, which the spirit is obviously like, uh, excuse, excusez-moi, let's go over into this little baby movie theater that I have over here and talk about that. Yeah, yeah. And so we get a very early, I mean, this would even be, this This is not accurate for the time period. They wouldn't have stuff like this. There are, like, the kinescope stuff, you know, not kinescope, uh, but, like, the spinning one. The zo- zoetrope. Zoetrope, yeah. 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 Getting my old big words mixed up here. Yeah. The zoetrope, no, though. No that, Nickelodeons or anything? No, no, no Nickelodeons. But this is like, I like it when they use early cinema to try to like give a weird, like magical vibe because Lumiere, uh, you know, they were magicians of a sort, right? Uh, they would come yeah. around with, you know, these projector objects and they would actually have sometimes like, pieces of glass that would have like moving parts inside to tell like little animated stories and stuff like that. So like giving like giving cinema back to magic is always a nice thing. I, I really like it in the, um, the uh, Francis Ford Coppola Dracula too. Oh yeah. Like, by the way, by the way, go back and give that a rewatch. That thing holds. uh, That's a heck of a movie. That is speaking of speaking of zoetropes, Francis Ford Coppola. Right. Um, um, but yeah, it's um, it's cool here, and um, we're going on to the next thing. Yeah, so so this is our this is our uh, Bell sequence. This is all we get. Of course, she's not named Bell because this movie again just cannot help itself. John, I'm going to gand off the grade here. Oh boy, I have no memory of this place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, got to so, lay, lay off the pipe weed, man. No, no, um, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's those damn hobbits. No, it's it, it must have been so quick and so dep- and so quiet that it just it didn't like it doesn't like I remember everything else. and I knew there was something I was missing in my mind. But like what happens in this scene with Bell? Yeah. So what we get in this scene, um, the the spirit puts its hat down on like a little table or something to act as the projector and they're staring at like an old timey black and white silent tv screen and what we're seeing is like is is footage of this woman um who scrooge recognizes and names elizabeth and and we get kind of it's unclear what their relationship was it's the spirit says that she was waiting up a lot and scrooge is like i was late at the office which sounds like in victorian london they were married but Maybe not because they're not married now. I don't know what the story there is. But the story on the screen that's being projected is that Scrooge could have had a happy life with her, several yeah. children, uh, many joyful Christmases, uh, and would have been a much happier fellow, um, but is not. Yeah. He's not. I think it's funny that that he he like says he would have named the kids Lottie and Jacob, which... I feel like if I named my son James, 
as as flattering as that would be to you, it feels a little bit presumptuous, don't you think? Like I business it's partners. A good, it's a good name. Just saying, it is a good name. It's true. It's, 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 it's true. Can't go wrong with James because you got like three solid options right out the gate. You got James, obviously classic. Jimmy, pretty good one. And then you got Jim, which is a not bad one. Then you still got several other ones, and then you all get all the way down to Jimbo, and that's like the worst. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No one no one likes a Jimbo. No. Um, no. Have you ever you, been called Jimbo? I, 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 there was a guy in um, my brother used to hang out with in high school that would try to be like, hey, Jimbo. And he like irritated the hell out of me, and I that's really wanted annoying. to punch him, and I was like nine. <laughs> so like so no that's that's yeah don't d- d- don't call me jimbo yeah we won't we don't call we don't call him jimbo on this show guys mm. um so does it clock that this scrooge would have ever had a romantic relationship because that does that does not read for me it, it, i need to see more than this is why i forgot this happened here because it doesn't feel real because it's not. It's projection. It's what he thinks would have happened. It's yeah. a vision. Uh, uh, and it's not freaking real. And so it doesn't I, It doesn't land with me, this, yeah. this what-if scenario. What-if scenario isn't really – you get that with the Ghost of Christmas Future, right? Obviously. But – this is this is something else. But the thing this is, is like those different. what if scenarios are the logical conclusions of the things we've already seen. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right. In this case, what we're getting is we don't actually see any interaction between real Scrooge and this woman. We're just told there was a woman in his life at some point and it could have been a thing, but it's not. And and, and that sort of stands in for like you chose to have your life be about profit, not about life. It, it feels like a really like quick and humdrum version kind of of the Bell's actual life without Scrooge yeah. scene, like coming home, having a, a huge amount of children and a loving husband who's, you know, tells him about uh, about Scrooge being alone in the shop. Right. Like it, this seems like an attempt at that without having to explain that, like yeah. a kind of like a reworking. And I don't think it works. It's just annoying. It's so annoying because there's the whole like there's the whole, you know, molestation subplot that that they had to have in here. But they're going to make the romantic subplot that's actually part of the original story kind of an afterthought. Right. Um, And to the point where I forgot it was shown here. Legitimately 100 percent forgot about this. So part of what this is here to do is to is is to give the spirit another opportunity to call Scrooge a hypocrite because um scrooge has like genuine emotions looking at this footage of the children that he never had right and thinking about like what he would have named them and all this stuff and the spirit kind of calls this out and he's like you have more emotion about these children that never existed than you did about the actual children of people you have an intimate relationship with oh boy then he's like so let's look at the bad thing you did and if any of you at this point have an alarm bell going off in your head heed it because the bad thing that Scrooge did has been pretty effectively telegraphed up until this point. If you've been paying attention, buckle up because we've got to talk about the major subplot, the B story of this Christmas Carol movie. Okay. Do we need to pay our teller? Do we need to take a break here at any moment, John, or thank you, James, for reminding me before, before we go and see the bad thing, 
um, we got to see someone about paying our clerk. So we will be right back after this short break. Don't go anywhere or do. I mean, you can you can miss (laughs) what we've got coming up and probably be a better person for it. I just remind you about the break because I don't want to talk about it. You really don't want to talk about this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. If I stopped you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill used, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me ill used if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Hmm? It is only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. And we are unfortunately back. So, John, what gives your Christmas turkey? Oh, wait, we're not there yet either, rats. Uh, That's going to be a heck of a segment next episode. Uh, oh, um, can we? Oh, okay. We we have to we have to do it. So let's do it. So, let's, like I said before the before the break, um, the spirit tells Scrooge that that they have to go see the really bad thing, the thing that I guess is worse than all the other bad things, like the you know the maiming and death of hundreds of workers uh, apparently, and you know running people out of their business and liquidating businesses so people lose their jobs. Um, Which is like, okay. Like not, not great that you're framing it this way. It's like, like, so to me, right. Here's the thing. <sighs> no, I'll talk about this later. I'll talk about this later. Cause I have a, there's a, there's one change that you make to this whole story that makes all of this better. Um, right. So Scrooge, and the spirit go through these curtains and they find themselves stepping into a bedroom where Mrs. Cratchit is like literally giving birth to tiny Tim, which, which I think the over under on that is we will never, ever see this happen again in a Christmas Carol. Certainly. I, I, Ooh, that's so we're saying legitimately one more time is all it needs to be one more time. (laughs) I'm a gambling man, John. I'm a gambling man. I don't know. That's, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take, we're going to see at least one more time somewhere, somehow. I don't know how I, I... I'm going to owe you like a prime rib. If that ever happens. I mean, and I'll, if buy I you... ever mysteriously watch one of these and like, yeah, we don't need to watch that one. That'll be the reason. <laughs> hey John, the, uh, the, the 1993 version from, uh, you know, and like, he's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay, so let's let's hunker down and let's let's deal with this scene. So first of all, we get a very realistic depiction of birth from yeah. the Victorian era, and it's it's, I mean it's 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 not you know they act Scrooge like no man should ever see this or blah 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 blah, blah or something like that. And yeah, sure, very Victorian sensibilities. Properly, blah blah blah, and it was like. It, I mean, it, it's intense. It's definitely like at the peak of childbirth, but it's nothing, you know, too gross or anything like that. Yeah, no. And then um, as it goes on, it's very quickly revealed through the tone of the nurses there um, or just the friends next door uh, that it's. Well, one of, so one of them is her sister. Right. Who is Martha in this version. 
Ah. Martha Cratchit. It, it's, well, it's not Martha Cratchit. It's Martha whatever, because she's Mrs. Cratchit's sister, which is uh, fine. I mean, it's... Uh, sure. Why? Sure. <laughs> it's, I, I, I did clock that at the time, but it doesn't change a damn thing to this scene. Because yeah, the no. tension is just there and it builds towards. I where... just have to call attention to it because it's an original character, so or no, not no, it's, no, it's I, a I, I, character I, from the original text, so we have to. No, I appreciate that, and trust me, there's they've already cut out enough cratchits, so like yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, it's um, we get here uh, that everyone slowly is coming to realization that Tim is not quite you know an average size baby, newborn baby. That it's, I Tim has some slight changes that aren't, you know, the standard thing. And it's, then we get, do we immediately get a time jump there at that moment? Uh, we don't get a time jump immediately. Cause she's kind of like trying to, she's like still on the bed and she's asking like, like what, what's going on, what's wrong. And they're all kind of looking back at her from like this, the basin where they're washing him off. Like, uh, oh, what do we tell her? And, um, Scrooge is still still confused I think or or still playing dumb about the thing the quote unquote thing he did seven years ago he's embarrassed by what he did seven years ago this is this is full on shame in the way he's presenting himself and knowing that he's about to be exposed right this is his darkest secret coming to light yeah so um they move out to the street and he sees Bob run by and kind of puts two to two together that like well, I guess he are, he knows that this is Mrs. Cratchit, or mm-hmm. maybe he didn't quite realize at the time. Um, he sees Bob like kind of running in, like maybe he's running home from work because he found out that the baby's coming. And the spirit is like, okay, now we're going to go see. We're going to go see this thing that you did. John, I hate being right. Yeah, you called it, buddy. I really had to keep a straight face last time because you called this. I and I'm not a, to quote Forrest Gump. I might not be a smart man, but I know what foreshadowing is, and clearly this is where they were going. Clearly, this is why they are increasing yeah. the size of her role, which is really. You know, I was conflicted about this last time. I still am, obviously. But, like, this is definitely, this is, this is something. This is something that we're about to get into. So, it's two years after Tiny Tim's birth. Right. And he is, he is sick. He needs an operation that we're going to yeah, get more is, details on. He has water on the lung from mm-hmm. the, from the climate. And the surgeon's like, it's going to be 30 pounds for this, for this, you know, draining to drain the water out of his, his mm, chest cavity. Might as well be a million for the Cratchits. Yeah. And Mrs. Cratchit goes early Christmas Eve, I guess five years ago from our current Christmas. Se- seven years ago from the current Christmas. So Tim, type- so Tim is nine. Nine. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Tim is nine, and um, but so this was seven years ago still, and it's um, uh, she starts to beg, straight up, like just being honest about it, laying everything down on the table flat. I mean, like if you don't give me, if if I if I can't convince you to give me this money, I'm there, and there's no one else I can go to. There's no one else. Um. Yeah. 
Uh, and yeah. and basically, she's trying to convince him, like, I need a loan. You can take money out of my husband's paycheck. He's too proud to ask you, but like, mo- like a mother can't be too proud. Um, Which there's a beauty in that. There's there's a strength in that. Like, uh, yeah. Here's the thing that frustrates me: that like Mrs. Cratchit is a incredibly strong and resilient character in this, who yeah. is going through something really intense, and her performance is great, and the way that it's written is there. But I think that I, I think that it is trying to shoehorn this plot line into a story that we already know really well that feels re- like a betrayal of some kind. And maybe that's the point. I mean, we can talk about that more at length later on, but so Scrooge does the math because that's what we've established at this point enough that Scrooge gets math and instantly starts doing the numbers and we realize that there is no way with interest, and that's the other thing Scrooge tacks on interest, which scumbag. Um, yeah. That's there's no way the Cratchits could pay back this loan anytime soon, and of course that's it. And he's like and taking into account that Bob might not be working for me. Blah 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 blah, and it's yeah. just. Basically, he lays out like the only way that this makes sense for me as a financial deal is if if Bob works for me for like a super long time to pay off all this interest, yada, yada. He's just like, it's just not feasible. Like, it's not a right. And and which is very like that's almost like the Alistair Sim, right? That almost like black and white rationality. But that's not what he's doing here. Right. This is more sinister. So here's a moment where I think that this character is super inconsistent and and poorly written because i don't think that we have seen scrooge be a sadist up until this point this scrooge is not a sadist he's rational that's his whole thing and now maybe that rationality is like a cover for the fact that he really is kind of sadistic or that like in trying to be in touch with his humanity the only thing he can do is be cruel Possibly, but it, th- th- this is this is this is really so. This this is torture. This is what's happening here is just straight up manipulation, torture, and there's no reason to I mean, do he, this. Yeah, he there's so he no me, reason he, he me too's her. It's essentially what happens here, and not to you. That's like a pretty tired way to say it, but this is coming out in 2019. This is at like the height of that sort of that phenomena and culture of of women finally being taken seriously on this issue and cases being brought forward and like the Bill Cosby stuff and oh, and don't get me even started on that oh, yeah, crap. We can talk oh. on behalf of literally all of Pennsylvania. I apologize. Oh. Um so but I, so I think that there's an environment in which this is coming out in which it's like, what if Scrooge was one of these creepy, powerful Me Too guys? And I'm like, that's an interesting thought piece. That's a really terrible piece of television. Right. Like and it's just it, it's and it, it's bad in like the context of what they've established earlier as well. It's it's, it's and it's so cruel yeah i mean it's really cruel what's going on here he brings out these stacks of you know ten thousand pounds divided into thirds you know one one pack and he gives her ten thousand says come back tomorrow 
I think it's just 10. It's literally just 10. It's like 30 pounds. That's all she needs. Just 30. uh, Not 30,000. Still still could have been a million. But anyway. Sure. Yeah. But he is like, here's 10. Come back tomorrow around 4 o'clock on Christmas Day. Make him an excuse. And he's going to extort sex from her. And it's this is. And all of this implied, by the way. So we don't actually know what he plans to do at this point by the end of this episode. It's it's on the table, right? He might as well have said it, but it's unclear. Yeah. And it's. It's. Traumatic, almost of an experience. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's, it, I mean, it because can... she knows because she knows exactly what's going on. Right, she right, right. she is is immediately aware when he's like, "This is a gift. You need to come to my apartment tomorrow." And like she's trying to get out of it, like it's like it's hard to get away on Christmas Day. Make and if, an and he's doing this like hackneyed like I'm I'm like he's like I'm something of a scientist. I'd like to do these experiments to figure out like where people's um you know humanity like like what what like the boundaries of people's humanity is and blah 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 like he's some kind of stupid yuletide jigsaw and I'm just like you're not Christopher Guest in a princess bride trying to understand pain <laughs> okay you are just Ebenezer Scrooge with this tacked on beat it's, here it's and really your monologue uh, and your monologue about what people are willing to pay and all this crap it doesn't land well at all and it sucks oh pray with it sail those ships all three on christmas day on christmas day oh pray with it sail those ships all three on christmas day in the morning Here's what I want to say. And this is how this episode ends. Um, it, the The episode comes to an end here on this beat. And we see the title card for um, a bag of gravel, which is going to be the last episode of this. So I, I want to get your predictions for the next piece. Oh. But I also want to talk to you about a. Why? What is it that makes this just not work i don't want to just say it doesn't work because i don't like what they're doing to this character that i like from something else like i like scrooge as a character i like this story i have an intimate knowledge of it i don't want to say it's bad just because it's different you know what i mean i don't think that's what's happening here this is a difficult thing to answer because we're technically getting into fandom here and to some respects that you and i are fans of a christmas carol and the character of scrooge just like Millions of others are fans of comic book characters or Star Wars or Tolkien or any fantasy character or any character really they 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 that they are a fan of and they one thing that really gets under people's skin is when something is done to a character that doesn't feel like the character right when something right. that goes against their pro- like the core of who that character is and when those things happen. And it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like an evolution of a character. It just kind of happens to happen. That's when I think fans a lot of times get upset. Now, of course, that can be different from certain people, certain um, outlooks on a fandom, right? Just take Star Wars, for instance, of like nobody can agree on anything there, right? Here, I think it's easy to agree on that Scrooge. Okay, here's why it doesn't work. Scrooge has to be right on the brink 
has to be right on the brink, but has not crossed that line. Tiptoeing very closely maybe has gone over it, but he cannot have gone fully over to the other side. That intangible side between good and evil. And I know that's a, that's a large concept. And I, that's like what defines that what he's doing here is evil, you know, and I can't, it's redemption is something that I I believe that is possible for everyone. Right. But my gosh, it is something different here with what is going on on screen. And it is, and it's very difficult to root for this person's redemption. There is a difference, I think, between so like the theological concept of redemption or the philosophical concept of redemption, right? Right. In the real world where like we we have to accept, I think, on a certain level that literally every person is a human who is capable of recognizing the thing they have done is wrong, repenting, um, trying to make it right, doing what they can to make up for the misdeeds, right? And obviously, like, if you're a billionaire whose every decision starts and ends a bill- like a hundred lives or whatever, it's harder for that to be something that is you're even cognizant of. But like, if you're a person who has killed someone, right? You know, I think, and people may differ on opinions about this. I think you can reach a point in your life where you feel a complete remorse for that act and the desire to make it right. And you can only do so much to make it right. But in my mind, that's like, in my mind, the trying to do that is a redemptive act, whether or not you're actually redeemed is a whole different discussion. I think in a narrative that we are meant to take as like a story that we are entertained by that we think about, I think that we as an audience have a point at which our suspension of disbelief breaks when a character goes a little too far and we, and the idea of them being redeemed doesn't seem um, plausible or doesn't make sense. Great example, Kylo Ren as a character. Yep. Right. Uh, Kylo Ren kills Han Solo in the first, in the first movie. Right. Right. At which point he should not be redeemable. No, he can, he can have remorse and he can, he, 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 look, we're going to get into the pre the sequel series at some point in our podcasting careers, I bet. But just for right now, never has there been a character that didn't know what the hell they were doing with themselves. Like a Kylo Ren. That was a meta commentary on the fandom that just ate its own tail until it was self parody and nothing. Yeah. And pretty bad. It, it's the pre. Hey, at the very least the prequels look great now by comparison weird time to be alive but so this is what i'm saying with this scrooge right if in the next episode of this this scrooge goes all the way and extorts a sexual act out of mrs cratchit for this money we are no longer going to want him to be redeemed which is a central component of number one a christmas carol in general number two what this movie claims it is trying to do this movie claims that it is trying to change scrooge's heart right Right. Which to me, that's like the that's the essence of redemption. Right. Is changing a person's heart to the point that they recognize what they have been doing is wrong and everything in their being desires to change that. It just it's so but it's so petty and it's so just vile of an act like. 
And also not, it doesn't, I feel like it, it does not fit with the other characteristics we've seen of what makes Scrooge a terrible person. Right. Scrooge isn't really mean or sadistic to Cratchit. He's just indifferent. Right. Like I feel like we were missing a beat here. We're missing a beat to get to this bridge. Well, if, if we saw maybe like his relationship with uh, with uh, Jacob, right? And maybe he was a bit of kind of like a torturer there type of deal. Like we we we've, we've never really seen it where we've always kind of seen Jacob be like the one that like leads him down like the path a little bit. What if it's the other way around and like he's like like doing dastardly things with Jacob, building up to this, like. It's it doesn't feel like a natural evolution of this Scrooge, which we've talked about, but also like there we're we're missing steps to get there, even if we're gonna do it. So I think if I were if I were like the devil's advocate here, what I would say is the 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 abuses by his father because there was clearly emotional and verbal and physical abuse paired with the sexual abuse at the school. Is I mean, that's those are ingredients for sociopathy, right? If we look at like literally any serial killer, any any well-known, well-documented case of sociopathy, it's always kind of rooted in like childhood neglect and abuses and Mm. brain damage. Right. So like I get it. I get it. I think the 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 proper DNA for this version of Scrooge is there. I think that number one, they are fighting a huge uphill battle against this being an incredibly well-known and well-beloved character, right? right? They're fighting an uphill battle against, so just preconceived notions coming in, which I think is a really difficult thing for them to kind of get over. Number two, they aren't doing a super good job of showing his evolve, him evolving into this. What we see him evolve into is a person who, who puts value on profit. And I guess, I mean, he does use people's like personal foibles against them. But to me, it would make more sense if he used this to extort her. You know what I mean? Or like if he, if he like, if part of the reason Bob is so pissed off in the first episode is that like Scrooge docked his pay for reasons he never knew. And it turns out it's because his wife went to Scrooge. You know what I mean? Like to me that reads, that reads more in the vein of what this Scrooge would do than to be like, come to my house and, and like we'll do sex. And then (laughs) I'll give you, it's like, it's so corny and, and it, and it's, and it's trying so hard to be a commentary on what's going on at the time while falling flat on its face. I think that's the thing that frustrates me most. It feels like we're going to capture the zeitgeist of wealthy, influential white men extort women for sex with their power. It's so frustrating. Look, I'm not saying there isn't a version of this that could work. I think there is. And I'm not even saying there that isn't something that should be looked at. Because it probably there probably is a version that 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 should exist. This is just a poor version of that of trying to say that, and it doesn't work. Um, the episode. Could like, you make the argument that Ghost of Girlfriends Past is like the better version of this somehow? I mean, look, you make a couple of hard choices there and go down a different angle and make it a little bit more serious. Like like we said at the time, you can really get something out of that uh, premise, and and there I think that yeah, making that movie nowadays, oh my god, that would be I think that would actually be really an interesting choice. Um, 
But yeah, this is this episode ends on that moment, and then I was like, "Okay, here we go." So prediction time. Yeah, um, let's let's hear it. I'm really interested to know what you think is going to happen next. All right, this is they're going to do this because it's going to be one of those crappy scenes where Scrooge and her are going to get as close to doing something very like. Like it's going to be getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and and something like, and then he's going to see a horse or something, and it's going to make him stop, and like he's going to not go through with it, but give her the money, but still was a very traumatic experience, and she and he feels guilty about it. Maybe he'll see himself in in the window, and maybe it'll be his younger self. And so maybe he'll be reflecting on now his role. Maybe he'll see the face of the grandmaster from the school. Like, I don't know, but like there's something that'll make him stop. Um, Bob will find out um, either the whole truth or partial truth, maybe a receipt or something like that. I don't know, but he'll look like he's the one that's going to kill Scrooge. Scrooge will have his redemption and be giving out turkeys on Christmas Day or some sort of big big gesture gesture uh, to the town. And in the middle of that, Bob's going to go and kill Scrooge, and that's when Scarface Kid's going to kill him. Wait, so wait, Scarface Kid is going to kill Scrooge, or Bob is going to kill Scrooge? It's going to look like Bob's going to kill Scrooge, but it's going to be oh, Scarface. but then it, but then it turns it's out it's at the last Scarface minute because that's Game of Thrones like. Yeah, because Scarface Kid's going to come back because he's been you, in every episode. You don't put a Scarface Kid on the wall and not use him, like you know. That's, yeah, that's check off Scarface, Scarface Welsh kid. Minor Kid. I mean, or at the very least, Bob does kill him, and Scrooge is in the ground, and Scarface Kid pisses on Scrooge's grave too. That's another possibility. I think Scrooge is getting killed. Scrooge is dying. Scrooge is going to 100% die at the end of this. Um, and it is going to, cause this Bob has, I think no it's cool very friend. telling that you say that because of how this series of events has made him seem like an irredeemable character, that his only redemption can be death. And that's what's going to be. He'll turn, he'll have, he'll have his, he'll, he'll have his happy Christmas morning bit but he won't get to enjoy it. It'll be like Bullworth with uh, Holly Berry and, um, oh God, what's his name? Uh, uh, Warren Beatty, you know, that horrible movie from the late 90s where like, oh, this character is going to be better now and change the world and be a great influence. And then boom, shock up, boom, in the face, shot in the face. So, oh, sorry, Bullworth spoilers. Oh boy. (laughs) I, I, I'm drained of all energy and emotion out of this dance. This thing has been a – for a frame of reference, we were going to record this a week ago, and I watched it the night before to have everything fresh in my head, and we had to push it up a week. And friends, this thing has been living in my head for a week, and it has not gotten any better. I am – this is this is this is a traumatic viewing experience I have had here with this, and – I hope that my predictions are wrong, but I'm so scared that they are so basic that they are going to be right. <laughs> well, 
if any of those predictions do end up being true, you will find out next week on Jacob Marley is dead. Hey, do we have like a scoreboard of like all the ones I was right about last week? Because I got like a lot of ones. I feel like I have to go back and listen to that recording. Like, what were your predictions from last week? You definitely called the extorting Mrs. Cratchit for sex thing. Yeah, I thought that was that was pretty pretty accurate. I thought. I think I maybe called Alibaba. I'm not positive about that. Like, I think I maybe mentioned you said you said something about Alibaba that was close enough to the truth that I'm willing to give you that point. Yeah, I, like, I think I said he'll see Alibaba or something like that. Like, we'll we'll get more Alibaba, and I was like, yeah, we'll get, this is the most Alibaba we're ever gonna get. I mean, I gotta say, of all the choices, especially for childhood Scrooge. I want to do a version of a Christmas Carol where this, like, where the script involves this idea of it. Like, yeah, uh, there's. A I'm also diff- glad they did ro- like that and not Robinson Crusoe. Right. Oh God. <laughs> God, beat me over the head with a freaking shovel, Jesus. <laughs> I'm I'm done. I'm am I'm done with Robinson Crusoe. There was one. There was one other one that you had right, and I don't remember what it was. Uh, that this I was crap. <laughs> Like this is just like oh was it that he was gonna get molested at the school I I I I didn't or that make that, that was one that you didn't make but I you, didn't want to say it. it I didn't want to say it because it I, well actually my real honest opinion was I thought it was gonna be the father I thought it was gonna be the oh, father yeah I which made which was in the back of my head that entire first scene I was like oh no 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 and then it. Still got there, but Jesus. See, oh. see, to me, I feel like the father is enough. Like, if you want to say Scrooge is messed up because of childhood trauma, all you need is the father. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, all you need is the father saying, like, these relationships don't matter, right? The only ma- relationships that matter are ones you can profit from. And then have the big secret be that he's, like, extorting the Cratchits. Right, that yeah. these people that have depended on him for years, he's extorting because he's a terrible person, right? Or or cut that entire stupid, unnecessary plot line and have the big secret be that he intentionally cheaped out on the wood for the mine and have like the big the big bad thing be a scene where he and Marley are having a conversation about it and like maybe Marley has like a moment of softness and tries to talk him out of it and Scrooge is like, if a few people die, they die and decrease the surplus population, which is a whole freaking thing from the original book i just wrote a better version of this a christmas carol in two seconds thank you everybody (laughs) very nice john that plot line um goes in a direction that's really strange i will say and is going to be worth us talking about but i think i think that it is a plot line that is attempting to be provocative that ultimately undermines the entire thing um and and we will talk about that next week so um jim what are we watching next week <laughs> we're watching the last episode of the miniseries called a christmas carol god we're gonna have to do something really really fun and good after this i mean look I <laughs> we we did disney right before we went into the trenches we need like we need like something I'll tell you after the podcast. I know the exact thing we need right after this. Okay. All right. right. I think you've earned that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And we'll be, we'll be watching that right here on Jacob Marley is dead. Um, James, if our podcast at this point has not scared people off, (laughs) what can they do to support us? 
Well, they can support us by leaving us a five-star, 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 five-star review on iTunes, Audible, or wherever they find our podcasts. We're we're all over the internet. We're getting reviews left and right. Why don't you be one of those? Type up a little nice little thing. Say, I like that John guy. Or like that Jimmy guy's okay, but he's a little irritating. Like just just write whatever you want. Like just just write something down and give us a five star review. It helps us. I don't know how, but it does. Yeah. And it thank does. you. Thank you. We're so definitely much. not on Audible, by the way. Oh, I, I listen wanna... to the podcast Before... on Audible. Do you really? Oh yeah, I I got the Jacob. I got the last episode, the um, that was released, the uh, Mickey Mouse one, a full like three days before it dropped on all the other ones. Interesting. Yeah, friends. I wonder. I wonder if that's because we just moved from Anchor to Acast. I wonder if it. Um... Yeah, it was like th- for three days. I could find it on Audible before I could find it on all the other ones. So never mind. Then we are on Audible. Um, yeah, that's that's it. That's I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm not lying to you, John. I got it here on my phone, sir. I can look. I can show it to you. Come on now. Oh, my phone's dying. My phone's dying. No, no. Oh, oh no. It's all um, sad and depressing. Can I be in the 2019 version now? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <sighs> Thank you to Ben DeVries for our open and closing and interstitial music. Uh, thank you to Milo Newman for our amazing cover art. Uh, thank you to uh, Zane and the good folks at That's Not Canon Productions for uh, allowing us to join in their podcast collective. We're really happy to be here. Um, and thank you to you listeners who continue to tune in to this insane project each week. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at Marley is dead pod. You can uh, email us at Jacob Marley is dead at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. We're on all the social medias getting our identity stolen. It's no big deal. Um, Heck even, even audacity, the program that I use to record this now is apparently spyware. That's a fun new development we can talk about. F this world like <laughs> so much like just like oh gosh maybe maybe this movie is maybe this main series is right maybe we're all just beasts you know and just going around I don't know John this this don't make me happy John this don't no. make me happy I no. want to be happy again can we be happy soon well James I'm going to say something right now that's going to make us happy until next time as Tiny Tim observed. God bless us, everyone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 